Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. We've been walking through the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount this week. Blessed life, blessed are the, those eight statements that follow that are really indicative of salvation, of being a Christ follower. I was reading a, a little bit more on this last night, and there's something that I, I don't know that, I don't. I wouldn't say I missed it, but I think I failed to appreciate the gravity of it. This sure. was a John Piper article that I was reading, and he was writing how these eight different statements, these aren't like just suggestions for nice living. Like yeah. when, let me go to the scripture. So when you see blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's, this is all related to salvation. So without being poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven won't be yours. Right. So then we look at uh, what we said or yesterday, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God without purity of heart. You will not see God. So yeah, I think we have to look the, at it that way too. So when you look at the flip side of it, mm-hmm. it, it almost hits you that, okay, this isn't like, oh yeah, I should strive for, I should strive to be pure in heart. I should strive for poverty of spirit. No, this is that the spirit of God working in you yeah. will produce this. We will not live it out perfectly at every time, nope. but poverty of spirit is a prerequisite to salvation. Yeah. And if you're consistently living the opposite way, it doesn't go well for you. Then it's then then the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to you, which yeah. means that you aren't in Christ. Yeah. It's so I just wanted to kind of start the six o'clock hour with that because that hit me last night and I thought, oh, I want to make sure that I'm that I'm really clear on that. But before we get to our next one, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I'll ask you, Jonathan, and you listening. Okay. Did you have a peer mediation program in high school? Or Explain it to high? me. Peer okay, mediation. So you must not have had it. Probably okay. not. So our school was, I don't know why this was pretty popular, but I remember junior high, high school, there was a peer mediation program. So you could sign up to be a peer mediator, which you received some training hmm. and people, your classmates who had conflict they could sign up for peer mediation. Huh. So you would get a slot and you would sit down as the trained peer mediator with two students at your school who were in conflict and you would be trained, loosely trained, but to try to help them through a process work through their conflict. I like that. That's you never, pretty cool. Did you not have that? No. Okay. No, not at all. And so I was, uh, I, I, both sides of it, I, re- I was a peer mediator. I remember going to the training and doing some, you know, fun games and skits and all these different things to try to model what conflict often looks like in high school. And then I also remember kind of being on the other side and signing up for it to try to work through conflict that I had with a friend. It was a great program. And I'm just curious if you, if, if you've had this before, if you experienced this in school or maybe your kids have this, uh, just text me and let me know. I don't know if they're still doing this in high school. Do you, uh, do you have any experience with a high school, junior high peer mediation program? Just, just text us 312-274-9624. I say this leading up to today's beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. So we're called to be peacemakers. I'm going to bring in uh, one of our listeners who texted in this morning, Monica, calling in from Northwest Indiana. Monica, you are a trainer, facilitator, coordinator. Uh, give me kind of what the, your, your title or what that formally is called, this sort of formal peacemaking. So I'm a restore. I guess we would be called a restorative practitioner, and I got into it as a police officer. Um, I retired from Detroit Police and um, got to see it uh, work in schools. Um, and making sure that young people have a voice, know how to hold themselves accountable while facilitating. Wow. And, and um, I really did it as a result of seeing kids um, get in trouble for really menial things mm-hmm. first, and then it would escalate to larger things and they get kicked out of school. And I think accountability is huge. Um, and if they're not able to confess, then they you have it's a very biblical concept um, in the sense of condemnation. If we don't confess our sins one to another, then Satan can really play with it. And but if we're able to with the right facilitation, it allows for conviction and the shame to be lifted. And so and we can take a lot more responsibility and we're able to make things right. And it doesn't mean that there's no consequences, but mm-hmm. in those consequences, we get invited back into the community. Wow. And even when it's just general conflict, you know, with the girlfriend, she said this and he said that it, it allows for us to first nip it in the bud mm-hmm. before it escalates. So teaching young people how to talk and communicate and allow for them to facilitate their own things. And I would teach young people, kids and gangs, how to facilitate wow. um, and come out of gangs and, and stuff like that. So um, moved to Northwest Indiana. I'm the person that called starting the school. I thought I recognized and- you. I remember you now, Monica, in Northwest Indiana. Yeah, yeah you started a school. That How is that going? So it's getting starting the school. So we're still working on it and, and, and praying for, you know, uh, all the provisions to come in. So hopefully next year will be open. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to was um, making sure that kids in restoratives could be held accountable. Because a lot of schools use it as a permissive. And so I'll just be very honest. I think that you can't have a circle about the circle to have another circle. Um, <laughs> I think there's got to be accountability in it. Like you said, sometimes there's, you're used for fights or whatever the case may be. And sometimes there's a smack on the wrist and, and they're really not held accountable. But I, I think that in that we can, we can receive correction. The Bible says um, a good father disciplines. Yeah. And so I think that being able to receive correction from our peers. And, and so when I, I work, I also do restorative coordinating for Lake County Juvenile Probation. And we see when community voices come in and we can have other peers within that. And we, I have restorative circles um, monthly with the kids and having their voices hold one another accountable while facilitating it, cha- it behavior changes drastically because shame is lifted and we can be transparent and vulnerable. And then we, they can help each other. Yeah. Um, you know, like, Hey, I did this. This is a tool. I was in your spot. This is what I use. These are who you need in your spot to help you. Um, who, who, what else do you need to, to get you out of this so that you're not back into it? Monica, um, that, Thank you so much for calling in. Good stuff from Northwest Indiana. Uh, hold on the line. I want to get you uh, a, get you a Carlin Crew prize pack one for calling in this morning on the fly. And then also we want to get you get that website from you uh, as well, so we can kind of keep track of how the school is doing. Uh, so Jonathan, if you could uh, make sure that we get that information yeah, from her, I would it. appreciate it. So we're talking about this beatitude. This blessed are the peacemakers. As Christ followers, we do, we are called to be peace. 
makers. I remember my parents always told me as the dutiful middle child, I was a peacemaker. I, I heard that word quite a bit growing up, that I was usually the one that was kind of helping my my siblings sort of uh, not fight. <laughs> and they, they didn't fight a lot, but I was kind of the, I was the calming force. I was the, the one that didn't get into a, a lot of conflict. I was usually the, the kind of the even keeled middle child. And if you're a middle child, you know that uh, oftentimes you fall into this role as kind of the informal peacemaker. It comes pretty naturally to you. But if you've been listening at all this week, you know that none of these, none of these are based on a personality type. So blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. This is not a special blessing for those who are calm middle children who don't get into a lot of conflict and who are nice to most people. You know that that's not it. You, we, we, right? I mean, I, you kind of wish that it was. Yeah, like, absolutely. I'm a peacemaker. I'm a middle child. I usually don't get in <laughs> fights with people. Or taking the excuse of, well, I'm just, it's just not my personality uh, yes. to, to be a peacemaker. So no problems here. All Christ followers are called to be peacemakers. Why? Well, because we reflect the heart of the Father, the ultimate peacemaker. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Matthew 5, starting with verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When we think about this call to be a peacemaker, I want to point you to Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Because if all of this, all of these characteristics are a reflection of the character of God, Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Only through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross can we have peace with the Father. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. Carl often likes to say that, we were born with our back to God. Mm-hmm. We were not, regardless of how nice our family was, regardless of maybe you grew up in a Christian home, you grew up in church. Every single person is born into sin, born an enemy of God. And I don't think we emphasize that enough because no. it sounds so harsh. So if you've ever looked at tiny little baby. And Jonathan's going to do this in in the spring. He's going to hold in his arms a tiny little baby Mm -hmm. who will in your mind be just about the perfect little thing that God ever created. Mm -hmm. And you will look at her and there will be not a thing that you could ever imagine that could be wrong with her. Perfection in Uh, human form. Of course. But even your little baby even mine when they were little babies, born into sin. It's the same for every single person. Nobody is born into the faith. We must be born again. Why? Because we're enemies of God. Our sin 
our sinful condition, our sinful nature from the very beginning creates a chasm between us and God. But Jesus, by his shed blood on the cross, made peace with the Father. Peacemaking is what the gospel is all about. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to that verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are to be pursuers of peace within our, with our own heart and peace with others. We are to aim for reconciliation with people. We shouldn't live with conflict, brewing at odds with people, because that's not God's heart. And so no. I was reading on this, and it's, it's a challenging call because, you know, you have certain people that you see and you're not... You know, you just, you don't really click with them. Okay. Sure. I mean, it, it so, happens. It's so tempting to want to cross to the other side of the street or turn down the other aisle at the grocery store. So yeah, I don't really, I, I don't really want to see this person. Let's just avoid the conversation. It's not the call of, of a Christ follower. This was challenging for me. Sometimes you just, we're good. I'm good. No, peacemakers aim for recon reconciliation. Because our character mirrors the Father. It has to be noted, though, peace, if we look at Galatians, you probably know where I'm going with this. There's, a, there's, a, there's about nine different things listed in Galatians. Peace is one of them. You mm. know where I'm going? Love. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. <laughs> Those are called what? They're the fruits of the fruit Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We can't be a peacemaker without the Spirit of God. People can be nice to a certain degree. People can be conflict avoiders. Oh, you don't need the Spirit of God to be a conflict avoider. <laughs> Certainly not. You don't need the Spirit of God to be passive aggressive. Yep. But to be a peacemaker, to live at peace with people, to pursue peace with people, you need the Spirit of God. One more verse for you. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's you, and that's me. Get your morning crew at all times of the day. Follow Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. A couple of quick reminders for you. We are closing out. We've got one day left for our Thanksgiving giveaway. So if you've not entered in to win one of two, five $250 grocery gift card, text the word THANKS to 312-274-9624. Text THANKS to 312-274-9624. If you are one of the five winners, you have two options. And I love that we're doing this. If your family needs that grocery gift card, keep it. We want to bless you. If you don't need it right now, give it away. You get to have the joy of paying it forward. You win it for someone else and you decide who that someone else is. If you got, and then we want to hear back. I, I'm hoping that we get some cool stories of how this, this, this yeah. kind of exchange worked out for Absolutely. people. So text the word thanks to 312-274-9624. So blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Our call as peacemakers, you think about the times though, when our position, our call as a Christ follower will not promote peace necessarily. You're right. In fact, it, it might cause a great divide. There are many people who, when they became a Christ follower, their family 
wanted nothing to do with them. True sometimes in this culture, but particularly true in other parts of the world where other faiths are more predominant and to convert to Christianity is an act of hostility towards your family and your culture. Absolutely. Matthew 10, 34 through 36, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword for I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. So what about that? How does this all fit together that we're called to be peacemakers But there will be times where our convictions as Christ followers, not our angry evangelicalism, I want to be very careful here. We talk about this a lot, not our angry fist pounding, what's going on? What are these people doing? No, no, no. I'm talking about that core. Go, let's go back through these, through these beatitudes, because all of them kind of fit together. That poor, poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, hunger and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaking convictions might still cause the anger of others. Yeah. Well, the last one of these Beatitudes, I think addresses it pretty well. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11 goes on kind of an extension of this last uh, Beatitude. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Saw this quote. I want to read to you. It's a little bit wordy, but I want you to really listen closely. This is a quote from, I've quoted from this article, this John Piper, Desiring God. It says, perhaps it's just this warning that Jesus wants to sound when the very next beatitude says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. In other words, righteousness must not be compromised in order to make peace with their, with your persecutors. When Jesus pronounces a blessing on you for being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, he clearly subordinates the goal of peace to the goal of righteousness. When you look at the two, if there's a choice that has to be made between the goal of peace mm-hmm. and the goal of righteousness, the goal of righteousness wins. Our call to stand for righteousness, this, this is how these, this little section is bookended, that we are called to be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's in verse 6. And then blessed are you, are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That is the chief aim. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we've talked about this verse too, Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There are caveats at yep. the beginning of live at peace with everyone. Mm-hmm. If it is possible. I'm glad you caught that. John Piper pointed that out too yeah. in this article, that that's, that shows the, the, the limits. Uh, John 15, 18, 20 is helpful here too. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Your hunger and thirst for righteousness, referring back a couple of Beatitudes, may cause others to mistreat you. The persecution, um, I'm always careful when we talk about it in the context of Western culture. Sure. Because we, we, for the most part, do not experience persecution the way Christians in other parts of the world do. Correct. It's just, and might, I, I, I'm very careful about this, but 
Carl has said this. We don't know what is coming. Yeah. We don't know what it, what the cost will be to follow Christ in the days to come. But the word of God is true that we are blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That call that it's Christ over everything, that it's Christ over family, that it's Christ over my own personal comfort, that it's even Christ over my own safety and security, if that's what's asked of me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's right there in the word of God. I want to encourage you to just really meditate on these beatitudes one by one, but then also as a whole, because it's a beautiful picture of the blessing promised to us who follow him. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, there was a time when I saw guys like we're about to talk to coming in the door and I was freaking out. <laughs> okay. I was up to no good. Uh-oh. So in my young 20s, if you don't know my story, is uh, I actually had several ounces of cocaine busted by the feds at Anchorage International Airport. And God used that to get my attention. Isn't that amazing how God's grace comes into play? Yeah. In the middle of, you know chaos in our lives. Mm -hmm. Dale, you've seen God's grace come into play in the middle of chaos left and right, haven't you, my man? Uh, Yes, sir. It's good to have you with us. Dale Sutherland, 29 years served as an undercover narcotics officer in Washington, D.C., and now he's turned pastor. Yeah, you did both for a while, right? Both a pastor and an undercover narcotics officer. How did that combo come together? Yeah, it was pretty weird. I'd be at work uh, at the police department getting ready to buy a kilo of cocaine, and I'd be getting a call from a family wanting counseling with their teenager, and then I'd be at uh, the counseling session, I'd get a call from a drug dealer coming in and out of town needing directions. So it was a, it was a weird life, for sure. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> now, listen, when we're talking about a kilo, listen, this is serious time that people do when they get busted with this amount of cocaine. <sighs> There's so many questions I have for you, but I'm going to begin with an odd one. What is the one thing about criminals that the average person walking the streets doesn't know that you want them to know? Oh, I guess that they're human uh, and sinners. They just have a different uh, version of sin. You know, uh, what we do, Jesus broke that down and said that uh, when you've thought in your heart you wanted to kill, it's the same as killing. So dealing with murderers and drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes and all those things over all those years, one thing you realize is, People are falling. The Bible is right. Sin is destroys, and Satan has just gotten a better hold on them sometimes than uh, those of us who are walking with the Lord. Now, from wor- your work both in policing and as a pastor, what is it that keeps people bound? Obviously, addiction issues, but it's more than that. What is it that keeps people bound? Like the scripture says, you know, we we listen to the father of lies. He's either your father or Christ is. And you get bound in his domain, don't even know it because he's lying and telling. Even Jesus says half-truths in John 8. So he tells half-truths to people. And so they're just caught up in these lies, bound by these lies. That if they sell more drugs, they're going to be happy. If they uh, get the next girl, they're going to be happy. If they make more money, that's a lot of what drives my whole world is money, you know. Dale Sutherland, our guest right now, he served 29 years in Washington, D.C. as an undercover narcotics officer. And you must have seen people that were hard-hearted right to the end, but you must have seen some break. And there was a breaking that was almost precious and from the Lord. Give us a story, Dale. 
Yeah, we had several guys that came to faith. There was uh, one guy that I arrested with two kilos of cocaine. He was one of the biggest drug dealers I ever arrested. And I kept sharing the gospel with him. And then he finally went to prison. And when he went to prison is where he actually met Christ. So I used to pray when we'd lock people up that I knew they'd be in a place where a chaplain or someone could get at him. And sure enough, the Lord answered my prayer. This fellow came to Christ while in jail. And now we do ministry together. We uh, work together still now all the time. A story of total redemption. His life has totally changed. Dale Sutherland, he's affectionately calls himself the undercover pastor. Coming up, he started an organization that helps bring citizens and cops together. We'll talk about that coming up. Your number one hub for freedom stories. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. If there's ever a ministry that we need in Chicagoland, It's something that brings citizens and cops together. Dale Sutherland, (laughs) our guest right now, the undercover pastor, uh, spent 29 years as an undercover narcotics officer in D.C., also a a pastor. Tell us about Code 3, the Code 3 Association. Well, the idea was caring for cops and the communities they serve. So trying to bring Christ's love to both the police and to the communities that they serve, trying to help people to really understand uh, each other and build a relationship just like the scriptures guide us to. Love it. The relationship that we forge with uh, citizens and police officers, there's been a great divide. Obviously, we went through a season where that was uh, kind of the mantra was defund. Obviously, your heart is to see people funded, but what does the community, the average listener right now, what do they need to know about cops that you have a perspective of that you're just like, ah, I got to tell them this. What is that one thing, Dale? Well, I suppose as Christians, my one thing would be to to try to share the love of Christ with cops or community. That would be the real answer, of course. The other thing to think about is these evil uh, ones that we've seen on the news or whatever. Remember that statistically, if we had uh, cameras on all occupations, doctors, lawyers, everything, boy, we'd think they were all terrible. But the truth is there'd just be a few, and those few make such a difference. So we're recording some of the worst acts of uh, a very minuscule amount of police so to trust them and be a little bit more confident that 99% of them are, are in it for your good. Dale, you are committed to really helping people grow in Christ. Tell us your story. How did you first come to faith in Jesus? Well, uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship, my mom was teaching a good news club, and I became a Christian at four years old. I just had a granddaughter come to Christ today at four years old. And uh, I told my family 56 years later, I'm still walking with the Lord. My point is, I came to faith as a little kid. I want to be in the ministry. I uh, went to Bible college and uh, wanted to work in an urban environment. So I joined the police department just to, for two years with my plan to try to, you know, understand the street a little bit. And I got out there and I loved it. And I was able to do ministry and police work at the same time. So I stayed at it my whole career. What kind of a ministry did you have to other undercover narcotics officers who maybe don't have your Christian worldview? Some of these guys can... They can let anger or justice get the better of them, and that's where we see some problems. What kind of ministry did you have to your colleagues? You know, um, I had uh, one girl, I love this story. She worked with us. She was a junior officer. We trained her. Uh, her and I worked undercover a lot together. Was was bisexual, living a totally different life, and I, we would just keep sharing the gospel. And, you know, she finally came to Christ. It had a hard time in her life, and uh, then just a few years ago, I married her. I did her wedding. Oh. So uh, the Lord can really change lives wherever we're at, you know. Oh, are you kidding me? That is tremendous. Dale, what's the biggest challenge you face day to day in this ministry? What are you up against? Well, I think the enemy is loud 
And I think that uh, often the Christians who need to walk with us are feeling down by this world. And the truth is, there's nothing to be down about. Jesus is still on the throne. And as we go out here to the worst parts of the city, we got to know that, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The Lord is winning. We just have to be join the winning team, get engaged in his work, and quit focusing on the negatives and the sad things that the enemy is trying to do. Amen, brother. You want to check this guy out? Uh, we've got a link for you. Theundercoverpastor.com. You can visit his website. You can subscribe, get updates, encouragement. Theundercoverpastor.com. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.